just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hopefully your day is going well. It is Sunday. Sunday, a day of rest for everybody except Rational Boomers. I'm still in Savannah, Georgia. I'm going to be here till uh, Monday morning. Then we'll fly out of here and head back home to Minnesota. But I'm really enjoying my time in Savannah. Uh, my wife and I went over to Tybee Island. If you've never been there, it's a fabulous place. It's a Nice little beach town, a lot of restaurants and bars. It's got a beautiful beach. It's got a pier. Uh, People are fishing off the pier. You can buy drinks there. It's a wonderful fucking place. And we went there because we always go to Tybee whenever we come to Savannah. Now you're probably thinking to yourself, well, it is fucking December. How warm could it be? Well, I'll have you know it was 77 degrees yesterday. Fucking very enjoyable, given the fact that it's 26 back in Minnesota. I'm going to soak in as much heat as I can, because when I go back, it's going to be cold for a while until I get back here. But what's interesting, while we're out on Tybee Island, you normally can go out to the pier or a couple of other entrances onto the beach. But they were all closed. Well, what the fuck is that? You closed Tybee Beach? doesn't seem to make any sense. Well, we were able to get on the beach down a couple of entrances. But I still was curious what was going on. And apparently they were filming something there. I, I, I don't know what they were filming. But uh, they weren't letting the regular public on the beach. Uh, I took a couple pictures. They were putting on the tracks so the camera could go down the tracks. It was, it was interesting. A little pissed off, though. I've come all this way. I want to go to the pier. Can't go to the pier because they're filming a fucking movie. Anyhow, now while we were here, uh, because this this condominium down here in Savannah is still kind of new to us, we're still kind of buying things here and there to put furniture and whatever else in the condominium. And uh, I did something yesterday that uh, I guess by anybody's standards would be recalled, re- re- regarded as fucked up. <laughs> But I have a tendency to do fucked up things, and I believe in full transparency here on the Rational Boomer podcast, so I'll tell you what I did. Kind of disgusted my wife with this. Now, I told you yesterday that my father had died. I hadn't had a relationship with him in 25 years. Um, Not a good guy. Uh, I feel bad that he died, but uh, I really have no emotions tied to it because he's been out of my life. Things he did really didn't warrant me being warm and fuzzy toward him. I'm not happy he died, but I'm not caught up in it because we were leading separate lives. But in talking to the medical examiner, uh, she explained to me that uh, there was a gentleman helping him out. He was kind of sick, having a hard time getting around, and, um, and he was coming out and checking on him two, three times a week. Uh, and he went out Friday morning. And try to get in touch with him. No answer. So he called the police for a welfare check. And when the police got in, they found my father laying in a recliner. And he had passed away. It's a sad story, I know. And and, and, um, 
Some people say, well, you should be sad about it. We're taking care of the details. We're doing what we should do. We're being respectful about it, but we didn't have a relationship. But here's where the fucked up thing comes in. I'll give you a kind of an idea how my mind works. And I, I, I don't know, maybe this, <laughs> maybe I shouldn't tell you this, but you probably know it anyway. So my wife and I are looking for some furniture, actually one piece of furniture. We've got a couch and we've got beds and all that other stuff, but we needed a recliner. And we were looking at all these different places. We needed something we could get today and bring it home today because we aren't going to be here long enough to get it shipped. So my wife found one and uh, we were looking at it and we could load it up into the rental SUV and bring it home, which is what we did. But she said, go, you know, go ahead and try it out. See what you think, which I thought was ironic because we weren't buying it for me. We were buying it for her. Fact is, she already fell asleep in it last night. <laughs> anyway, she said, sit in it. Tell me if you like it. My wife's really has a hard time with decisions. I'm pretty de 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 decisive. If I want that, I want that. All. But my wife is always going back and forth. So she wanted some reinforcement from me that this was a good chair and it was a good buy and all that stuff. So I sit in the chair and she looks at me and she says, what do you think? I said, oh, man, I feel like I died and went to heaven. <laughs> now, to me, that's funny, given the circumstance. My wife, on the other hand, says, you fucking asshole. <laughs> now, I'm not saying she was wrong. That's just how sick my mind works. Or maybe it's a protection thing. Maybe finding humor in something that's tragic. I don't know what it is, and I don't know why I tell you this, but... Uh, you know, as you've watched the TikToks and listened to the podcast, you've kind of learned the kind of human I am. Whether you like it or not, doesn't matter. You know exactly who I am. And uh, I want to continue to be transparent and tell you who I am, warts and all. But for me, that was kind of fucking funny. I don't know. Just me. Anyway, we're going to... Uh, get to the news here in a second, but I have a uh, email that I think a lot of you will be interested if you can remember back a ways. You remember back, I don't know, maybe eight, nine months ago, I had Trevor on as a guest. Trevor's a great guy. He's a smart guy. But at the time he was on the podcast, he was a little timid. And uh, it ended up me kind of giving him a pep talk and saying, Trevor, you're a strong guy. You don't need to put up with shit. You don't need to put up with bullies. You don't need to take shit from employers. You've got to take a stance and speak out and speak up. And I said, you need to go do this. And why don't you come back in December and we'll see how it all worked out for you. Well, it's December. And uh, Trevor sent me this note. He says, hey, Mike, it's me, Trevor, and I'm just waiting for Raphael Warnock to get elected on Tuesday. Then I can do a Zoom session with you anytime this month since you wanted me to be on the show in December. I am so glad that Alex Jones has to file personal bankruptcy because he deserves it. You were on the top of my wrapped Spotify list of favorite podcasts that I listened to this year. Herschel Walker has got to be the worst candidate for the state of Georgia, and I can't believe the kind of shit that comes out of his dumbass delusional mouth. 
I'm just waiting and leaning back until Trump gets more fucked from the DOJ and with his tax returns in the uh, possession of the Democrats. I'm just laughing my ass off. LMFAO, ha, 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 Trevor. You can see Trevor's already talking different than he was when he first talked to us. As I said, he was kind of timid. Smart guy, articulate guy. All he had to do was find his strength. And from everything I've heard from him this past year, it uh, seems like he's finding that strength. And things are, are going better for him. I'm glad he took some advice. But it isn't me that had to give him that advice. He knew this all along. He just needed somebody to push him a little bit. And if I do anything, I fucking push people, <laughs> whether they like it or not. So anyway, we're going to have Trevor back on at some point. Uh, after the midterm elections, Trevor's probably going to feel a lot stronger once Warnock wins. So Trevor's probably listening to this podcast, and I'll email you too. But Trevor, anytime you want to come on, we'll be anxious to talk to you and see how things have progressed since the last time we talked. I know things are going a lot better for you from, uh, from the emails I'm getting. I'm proud of you. I can't tell you how much how glad I am that uh, things have been turned around some and and, and you've been able to do it on your own. That's the key. Once you realize you can do it, then there's no stopping you. And Trevor, I have a feeling there's no stopping you. Now, here's something I wasn't going to really talk about because it's a bullshit story. But it's turning into something bigger. And not in the way the person who... That the person that's behind the story hoped it was. Now, of course, Elon Musk bought Twitter, doing all kinds of fucked up stuff. I don't know what is the deal with Elon Musk or, or uh, um, any of these Republicans. They all seem to be in destruct mode. It's weird. But Elon Musk released a bunch of emails, Twitter emails, because now he owns Twitter, and it was about how Twitter was supposedly using information. I don't know if it was from Hunter Biden's laptop or, or concerns about, oh, I know what it was. They were holding back on releasing information about Hunter Biden's laptop coming up to the 2020 election. <laughs> now, now, the fucking problem is, is what he's trying to say is Hunter Biden's laptop is important. And this is what I don't get. Elon Musk is supposed to be a smart motherfucking guy. But uh, this whole thing with Hunter Biden's laptop is a fucking loser. We know the FBI has had it since 2019. We know the chain of custody is fucked. So none of the evidence, if there is any evidence there, is real. But what he was trying to do is expose Twitter for trying to game the 2020 election. This information was going to get out, and by Twitter not letting it out, they were breaking the First Amendment. Come on, Elon, you're fucking smarter than that. I know you didn't go to the big schools, you said, but come on. Twitter held back a phony story, and you're saying it's in violation of the First Amendment. First of all, Twitter is a private company. 
Twitter at the time wasn't owned by you. They can make decisions of what they want to do. They can censor. They can edit. They can do anything. And what they do doesn't fall under the fucking First Amendment. So shut the fuck up. Anyway, he puts this out thinking like he's going to, like he's doing something. I mean, he needs as much help as he can because Twitter is dying on the vine. <laughs> Pun intended. Because he wants to bring back Vine. I don't even remember that fucking one. Anyway, right-wing Twitter users are weighing in to express their disapproval of the so-called bombshell Twitter files Elon Musk promised to deliver on Friday, December 2nd. Now, according to the Daily Beast, Musk was set to address Twitter's decisions to implement a policy that would restrict headlines and reports about Hunter Biden's laptop. And it makes sense because it's a bullshit story. Why would Twitter want to get behind a bullshit story? And um, they were apparently stopping it from so, uh, circulating on the social media platform. However, the leak ended up being a failure for many right-wing experts. Like I said, they put it out there thinking they were doing something. And then it turns out even the Republicans are going, Jesus Christ, that's bullshit. There's a guy named Sebastian Gorka, buddy of Donald Trump's. He was in the administration. He's a radio guy. He's like a, uh, a Rush Limbaugh with a fucking British accent or whatever accent he has. But he's a piece of shit. He is a bad piece of shit. Anyway, Sebastian Gorka, a right-wing radio host who previously served under the Trump administration, offered a critical response to Musk's release after... Journalist Matt Taibbi shared a full Twitter thread about the findings. Gorka said, so far, I'm deeply underwhelmed. We know the Dems in D.C. colluded with the Dems in Palo Alto, California. Big whoop. <laughs> Big whoop. I haven't heard that one since middle school. And actually, we didn't even call it middle school back in the day. We called it junior high. I think that was a cooler name. Anyway, anyway, he went on to reiterate his arguments when grilled by his far-right followers who were convinced that Musk's Twitter files were some kind of smoking gun. Now, according to the news outlet, responding to a user claiming the Twitter company emails were a clear violation of the First Amendment. The radio host fired back, uh, no, it's not the DNC asking a private company to censor has nothing to do with with the First Amendment. And I will give it to Gorka. He's right. Just as I explained it to you a moment ago. Now, speaking to Fox News' Tucker Carlson, New York Post columnist Miranda Devine also disapproved of the release. I feel that Elon Musk has held back some material. She alleged, according to the Beast, uh, Devine also claims sinister forces were perhaps controlling Musk after the Twitter chief took a meeting with Apple CEO Tim Cook earlier this week. Now, it kind of sounds like uh, Musk may want to go head to head with Apple because they're talking about taking them off their Apple Store platform, which would be devastating for Twitter. She also said, in particular, there's a tweet in which Matt Taibbi says he hasn't seen any evidence that law enforcement specifically warned off Twitter from our story. But that's just not correct. Free, Bake, Free Beacon reporter Joe Simonson also echoed, echoed similar sentiments on Twitter. 
Twitter files are underwhelming so far, Simonson tweeted, just revealing that we already knew Twitter was staffed by Democrats who did the bidding of Democrats. Just like the Russians did the bidding of Republicans. I can understand the average Joe, the Trump lafuck, sitting in his backyard next to his refrigerator, saying that's against the First Amendment, but Elon Musk should know better. Has nothing to do with the First Amendment. I mean, it's like saying, saying that because I don't, I'm not willing to talk about Joe Biden's or Hunter Biden's laptop on this show that by refusing to talk about it, I'm guilty of breaking the First Amendment. Well, this is just not true. It's about the people and about the government. The government cannot stop you from saying what you want to say. Private companies can do whatever the fuck they want. They can censor, they can fire, they can do whatever they want. It's about the government and the people. So how Elon Musk even thought this was a thing, I I have no fucking clue. Well, now, the people I talked about weren't the only ones taking this badly. Another guy that took this badly, surprisingly, was former President Diaper Donnie Trump. Yeah, he was incensed by this. I think all the things going on around him are starting to take their toll. Former President Donald Trump called Saturday for, now get this, for the termination of Articles of the Constitution following the Twitter files, leak of a series of messages between the social media platforms in the run-up to the 2020 presidential election. Now, I don't think he's mad at Twitter. I'm trying to figure this out. I don't think he's mad at Twitter. I think he's trying to say that what Elon Musk put out, it was a bombshell and see, they stole it from me. Now we should just stop the Constitution. (laughs) Wow, that's a little extreme. Trump suggested that the contents of the leak warranted a complete re-election redo or simply a coup in which he would be installed as president. Yeah, that's uh, that's pushing it a bit, Donnie. Former President Donald Trump called Saturday for the termination of the Articles of the Constitution following that leak. A massive fraud of this type and magnitude allows for the termination of all rules. Oh, Donnie, you're a constitutional scholar now? I bet you couldn't fucking recite the Pledge of Allegiance for it to save your fucking soul. But he said they should terminate termination of all rules, regulations, and articles, even those found in the Constitution. Trump wrote on Truth Social, the platform he started after being kicked off Twitter. Now, in the follow-up, he's, he added, all in caps, unprecedented fraud requires unprecedented cure. You see what he's doing? You know, he's said all along that there's election fraud. And he takes this minuscule little thing that has nothing to do with anything, is not breaking a law, and he's trying to expand on it to support his agenda. Again, if Twitter said, I'm not going to talk about anything about Trump, that's not what we're going to do here. 
that's not against the First Amendment. And if you think it is, well, you ought to read the fucking Constitution. Or maybe have somebody else read it to you to help you fucking comprehend. Now, I know all rational boomers know this, but to those Republicans who think Donnie's onto something, <laughs> I think it's more likely that Donnie's on something. Now, on Friday evening, author Matt Taibbi posted a thread of dozens of tweets that he titled The Twitter Files. Oh, that's genius. How creative alleging that his story offered bombshell revelations about free speech on Twitter. Some conservatives claim that Taibbi's tweets prove that Twitter improperly influenced the results of the last presidential election, although the story has been panned as overhyped and misleading. But this is, you know, this is what Trump fucks do. They take some little thing, blow it out of proportion, and act as if it's, it's the most horrific thing in the world. But every time they get exposed and they get embarrassed, but somehow they keep doing it. Donald Trump is desperate right now. Make no mistake about it. There's a lot of things falling apart around him. His demise is right around the corner. So he's going to start flailing. He's going to start saying crazy stuff like, (laughs) let's tear down the Constitution. Yeah, how's that one going to go? The purportedly leaked messages discuss content moderator decisions, specifically how Twitter would handle the New York Post story about the sordid contents of a laptop reportedly belonging to Hunter Biden. Again, you've got to consider the, 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 the source. New York Post is not the highest of integrity. They supported Donald Trump for all these years. And now we've finally gone against him. Keep in mind that the New York Post is owned by Murdoch, Rupert Murdoch. Now, the laptop's contents range from explicit photographs of Joe Biden's son and his romantic partners to emails and his work advising Burisma, the Ukrainian energy company. What I'm trying to... um, what I'm trying to understand is, is if there were explicit pictures of Hunter Biden, so what? I mean, we got Republicans sending dick pics to their staff, and God knows who, who, who they're sending them to. But this is paramount. <laughs> At the time, many intelligence experts thought the story's provenance was highly suspect, given the threat of foreign disinformation in the weeks leading up to the monumental election. A group of more than 50 Former intelligence officials signed an open letter stating that the laptop story has all the classic earmarks of a Russian information operation. Tech companies that were excoriated for allowing disinformation to flow freely on major social networks. This happened a lot during 2016 and when 2020 came along they thought, You know, maybe we better watch this. So really what the Republicans are upset about, they're upset about that Twitter or other platforms refuse to spew fucked up conspiracy theories. Well, God damn them. How dare they? See, it's not about what's true. It's not what's real. It's about what pushes their agenda along. And if you have the audacity to push against their agenda or not help their agenda, well, then you're the fucking enemy. And that's the problem with the Republicans and the Trumplefucks. 
None of what they do is about truth. Everything they do is about fear. They're a fucking joke, and they're being exposed for it. Now, since then, at least some of the information from the laptop has been authenticated by news outlets that are not owned by right-wing billionaire Rupert Murdoch. But in all that uncertainty in late 2020, Twitter went to extremely relative, uh, relatively extreme lengths to deal with the laptop story. Now, you, you got to understand, platforms like Twitter and Facebook were very sensitive uh, to what happened in 2020. Remember, we know for a fact that Russians meddled in the 2016 election. We know they were doing it to benefit Donald Trump. That is a proven fact. So when 2020 came along, I'm sure some of these platforms said, hey, we don't want to get fooled again. We better be cautious. And because they decide to be cautious with their private companies, their own platforms, which they have a perfectly legal right to do, this is where the problem is for the Republicans. Oh, they thought they were going to blow up the world. (laughs) I will give them credit, though. They had this stuff and they put it out. It's a joke, but at least they put it out. We're still waiting for evidence from Mike Lindell and the rest of the Trumplefucks about the election crowd. So at least least they delivered something. So now we've got uh, Elon Musk in charge of Twitter. He teased and hyped the thread with popcorn emojis in the hours before the writing this will be awesome. How did, did Elon Musk not read this? Did he just take for granted that this was going to be explosive? Because Elon's supposed to be smarter than that. Or is he just trying to gaslight people? I suggest the latter because he thinks all of us are stupid. Well, Elon, I have a surprise for you. The people that you support, yeah, they're fucking stupid. But the other 70% of us think you're a fucking idiot and we're tired of your shit. Now, Taibbi claimed he had been given access to thousands of internal documents obtained by sources at Twitter in what he promised would be the first in a series of installments. The Twitter files Taibbi shared screenshots of conversations that high-level Twitter executives supposedly had. So the fuck what? This is not a big fucking deal. And they know it's not a big deal. They're just trying to expand on it to give themselves some traction. Well, they aren't getting any traction. They aren't going to get any traction. And the next two years are going to be absolute hell for the Republicans and the Trump And it's going to be hell for Elon Musk. You know, that's the thing I was saying before. Kanye West, Elon Musk, Donald Trump. These people are abhorrent. They're despicable. But what they're doing, it seems like it's almost self-destructive. Are they so unhinged that they don't know what they're doing and saying is self-destructive? Or are they so desperate they just reach out and do anything? And that's, you know, that's typically what happens with narcissists. They, they get scared. Their normal strategies don't work. So they decide, fuck it, I'm just going to throw everything at the wall. Now, Elon Musk, as rich as he is and as smart as a lot of people think he is, he has a big problem with Twitter. He's lost half his sponsors, probably will lose more. He's lost three quarters of his staff. 
Um, you've got people dropping off as, as users by the millions. Elon Musk is supposed to be this magical businessman, but he's taken Twitter, bought it for $44 billion, and now if you look at the value, we're at $8 billion. I don't know. For that, my money, that's not a good businessman. That's like saying Donald Trump with uh, six bankruptcies and having lost in excess of a billion dollars over a two-year period. It's like saying he's a good businessman. I beg to differ. I've been in business, and I haven't been dealing with millions or billions of dollars. But what I did learn about being in business was that uh, the key is to make more than you spend. You know, if you have materials, if you have services, if you have employees, you got to pay them. The key, the target, is to make more money than being able to cover that. Now, they don't even fucking do that. Donald Trump had a hard time covering payroll, which puts him deep in the fucking hole. And Kanye West is another good example. People are screaming that he's a racist, that he's an anti-Semite, that he's all these things. And what's he do? He gets worse. He says more shit. Kanye West and Elon Musk and Donald Trump are all similar. They're all narcissistic, probably sociopathic, and probably pathological liars. And they all think they're geniuses, and they all think they're smarter than everybody else. Each one of these guys does some fucked up things, ill-advised things. They get themselves in trouble, and they do things to further cause problems. Now, normal situations, somebody in these positions would have advisors and say, you know, don't do this. Try this. Let's do some repairing of your image. Let's do that. The problem is somebody like uh, Elon Musk, Kanye West, or Donald Trump says, fuck you. I'm not listening to you. I'm going to do it my way. That's why Donald Trump has such a time, a tough time with his lawyers Lawyers know what the best thing is to do, but Donald Trump says, no, we won't do this, you will do that. And if you have a bad enough lawyer, they will just do what Donald Trump tells them to do. That's like me going in and getting my car fixed, knowing nothing about fixing cars. The guy says, well, you got a problem with your, uh, your exhaust system. And I wouldn't know what to do with the exhaust system. But I say instead, look, yeah, it's not the exhaust system. Start working on the alternator. That's essentially what Donald Trump, Elon Musk, and Kanye West are doing. They're listening to nobody, and they are in spirals, and they will all fucking crash. There is just no question about that. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and we will be right back. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. All right, let's get back into it. This next story. 
It's one of those funny stories. It's kind of sad in a certain way, too, but you remember white nationalist Nick Fuentes. He's the one that had dinner with Donald Trump and Kanye West. He's this little kid, and I'll call him a little kid because he's like 24 or 25 years old. How this motherfucker gets attention, I don't know. Apparently, he's gone with the idea, say the most outrageous things and you'll get followers. The sad fucking thing is, it's true. He does have a lot of followers. I don't think the kind of followers he has is necessarily quality. I always always tell people, you know, on TikTok, they'll say, well, you have a lot of followers, but this other guy has more followers. And to be perfectly honest, I don't care. Uh, I'm far beyond anything I ever expected, so I'm just happy with where I am. It continues to grow and all that. But here's the thing. When it comes to this podcast or TikTok, I'm very particular who follows me. I don't like people who are going to follow me that might be a danger to my platform, so I block all Trumplifucks. Now, a lot of other people don't. And they end up being their followers or bots or followers. And it gives the impression that they have a lot of followers. They have a lot of fucked followers. Whether I had 10 followers or 200,000 followers, this is what I can tell you. My followers are quality. They're good people. They're of a like mind. And that's all that matters to me. So this guy can have a million followers. Don't fucking care because they are the worst of this country. Anyway... (laughs) Anyway, Nick Fuentes was in Los Angeles, okay? Now, we understood he got a very nice reception from Donald Trump. As much as Donald Trump says he doesn't know him, um, he seemed to take a liking to Nick Fuentes. And why not? He's a racist. He's an anti-Semite. He's a misogynist. He's right in line with Donald Trump. But apparently, he went to an In-N-Out burger where he was caught on camera in a food fight with other patrons. (laughs) Well, that's classy. That shows a lot of credibility. The footage follows Fuente's meeting with both Trump and Kanye, formerly known as Kanye West. Trump has been attempting to distance himself from Fuente since the meeting, of course, because who knew? It went badly for him. People didn't like the idea. Of course, Donald Trump claimed he didn't know anything about Fuentes, which is absolutely bullshit. But then he goes to an In-N-Out burger. Now, where I live in Minnesota, we don't have In-N-Out burgers, but I've been in L.A. and I've had an In-N-Out burger. And I got to fucking tell you, it's pretty good. It's not the best hamburger I've had, but it's one of the better um, fast food hamburgers I've had. I got to tell you, my favorite fast food hamburger is Culver's. If you haven't had Culver's, you got to try it. It's a company out of Wisconsin. We didn't have them here for many years, but or in Minnesota, not here in Georgia. I don't. Yeah, there is a Culver's here in Georgia, I think. But if you get a chance to try Culver's, I'll put it up against any other fast food hamburger. Anyway, I digress, as they say. Now, in this video, Fuentes can be seen. Uh, throwing a cup of soda at someone in the in and out and then leaving the restaurant as the patron curses at him. <laughs> Apparently not one of the followers. YouTuber Sneeko, no fucking clue who that is, can be seen in the video and is reportedly working on Kanye's supposed 2024 presidential run. 
This was said in a video following the release of the footage. So Kanye's taking this serious. He's going to get a campaign manager who happens to be a YouTuber. <laughs> Good idea. Yeah, that'll work. That will fucking work, Kanye. Um, apparently, in the video, the release of the footage that he has with Fuentes, and they were approached by a couple who threw ketchup at them and objected to their presence. Imagine that. Some people in California, a very liberal state, don't like white supremacists, misogynists, and anti-Semites. Who knew? TMZ reported that eyewitnesses said a couple did in fact approach Fuentes, and then the dispute occurred. The couple reportedly threw cups of ketchup at them. Which seems appropriate when you think about it. You know, we heard the story about Donald Trump throwing ketchup against the wall. So maybe, maybe um, they thought Fuentes was like, would like this. I mean, he's buddies with Trump. Now, of course, Fuentes noted, he's a noted racist with uh, the police being called. In another video of the altercation posted by TMZ, a woman filmed Fuentes and Sneeko reading. The woman claims that Fuentes pretended not to, to, to be not himself at some point. <laughs> he was trying. That says a lot about your 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 uh, position in life. Somebody comes up to you and says, "Are you Nick Fuentes?" Oh no, I'm not Nick Fuentes. You're afraid to admit who you are. Then a woman said, it is Nick Fuentes. He pretended that it wasn't him, but it's really him. What the fuck? Fuck Nick Fuentes. So, you know, this is the thing. It's real easy for them to go on YouTube where a bunch of people that think like him praise him. Like I say, he's a fucking child. He's a creepy looking fuck. Have you ever seen him on the videos? He's just weird. I mean, it's when you watch him, it's like it's not even real, like he's doing an SNL sketch or something. I, I don't really know what he's doing. Sometimes he said, well, I'm just being funny. Now, is he really trying to be funny because he's not funny? Or is he just using that as an excuse? I can't fucking tell. I don't care. He's a piece of shit. And people in in and out don't like Nick Fuentes. He wanted fame. He got fame. Now he's having to deal with it. All right, as I've told you, I'm down in Georgia. We've got the big runoff election in a couple of days. Today's Sunday, Monday, so it'll be Tuesday. I won't be here for the election. I'm leaving on Monday the 5th. I'll be back in Minnesota in the afternoon, but needless to say, I'll be watching that election very closely because I think it's going to be of great importance to the Democrats. Interesting thing is Georgia set new records for early voting um, again, as the two Senate candidates blitzed the state ahead of Tuesday's runoff election. And the contest is drawing new voters, too. Now, more than 1.85 million Georgians have voted early, according to the office of the Secretary of State, Brad Raffensperger, breaking two single-day records in about a week. Now, what you have to understand is that in like 2018, they had 2.1 million early voters. But in that period, they had 17 days for early voting. 
the Republicans tried trying to obstruct the election, cut it down to five days. So it's very impressive that they got 1.8 million votes. Now, among those who have already turned out, 56% were women, which is interesting, and 44% men. You think the, uh, the overturning of Roe v. Wade won't have a factor in this runoff election? Uh, I beg to differ. White voters made up 50% of the early voters. 32% were black and Latinos and Asian Americans each accounted for less than 2%. Now, Democratic Senator Raphael Warnock is facing Republican former football star Herschel Walker for a six-year term. Warnock served two years because he was filling out um, the seat of the previous senator. Now he's going for a full term for the full six years. And as I told you before, in the actual general election, Warnock won by about 30,000 votes, but in Georgia, if the winner doesn't get 50% of the vote, they have a runoff, and that's what we're looking at now. He got like 48 or 49%. I think um, Herschel had 47 or 48%. It was close, but neither got 50%, so that's why we're having a runoff election on Tuesday. Now, of course, prior to the general election, we thought this was going to be important for uh, the Democrats to maintain control of the Senate. And of course, we now know they already have control of the Senate. But getting this extra seat with Raphael Warnock is going to make things a lot easier and certainly more powerful for the Democrats. So it's important that we we do this and, and we get this shit done. You know, I wanted to come down here, too. I just want to kind of get a vibe of what people were doing. Now, as we're driving around, I'm seeing a lot of signs. I'm seeing a lot of Warnock signs. I'm seeing some Herschel Walker signs, too. Not as many as Warnock. But my wife and I were driving down a main street in Savannah. I think it's called Abercorn, down on the south end of Savannah. And I saw a bunch of older white people standing on the side of the road with signs for Herschel Walker. <laughs> and my wife said, you should flip them off. I said, you know, I'm in a state I don't know really well. I don't think I'm going to do that. I think I'm just going to stay out of it. But it was interesting to see that. As I looked at this crowd of people in the deep south, I have a sense that these people <laughs> aren't the people that are too warm to people of color but they see Herschel Walker as a means to an end, whether it be overturning Roe v. Wade or just by virtue of being Republican. I always love that. I said, why do you like being a Republican? Because it's better for business. No, it's not. No, it's not. Joe Biden, for November, just got uh, notified that he created 230,000 more jobs. This guy's created like 8 million jobs. What's better for business than more jobs? People working more and people having businesses where they can afford to hire more people. But the Republicans are the ones that are good for business. That's just what the Republicans have been saying for fucking decades and decades. And apparently some people don't read, don't pay attention to what's going on because they believe that shit. 
I mean, let's look at the last couple of Republicans. George W. Bush, when he left office, he left us in the worst economic condition in my lifetime. And I'm 62. I've been here a fucking while. Then uh, Barack Obama comes in, fixes everything, brings things back. The economy is surging forward. Then Donald Trump comes in and COVID. And by the time he's out of here, he once again crashes the economy. So now Joe Biden's in office. He's only been there two years and everybody's saying, you're killing the economy. I don't get that. Yes, we have some inflation, but we got a lot of jobs. People are getting paid more money. The stock market is uh, either holding steady or doing pretty well. I mean, I guess you could say that Biden could have a better economy, but it's certainly better than what Donald Trump left us with. So I don't understand the complaint. Gabriel Sterling, a top aide to the Secretary of State, said the early vote total is expected to top 1.9 million as absentee ballots arrive. For now, the numbers show an edge for Warnock. Democrats are outpacing Republicans among early in-person and mail-in votes by a margin of 52 to 39 percent, according to data provided by something called Target Smart. Now, we know how we feel uh, about polls. In my mind, I'm thinking it's not going to be as close as the general election. Things have just gotten worse for Herschel Walker. More things have been exposed. He said many more stupid things. There's been campaigns to expose his stupidity. I don't see how it's going to be as tight a race as it was in the general election. I could be wrong, but I don't think so. Common sense would tell you that uh, Warnock will probably win decisively. I'm not talking about a landslide because there's plenty of stupid people everywhere, including in Georgia, unfortunately. But I don't think it'll be close. I don't think it'll be close enough for a recount. Again, I could be wrong, and I'll admit it if I'm wrong, but I, I just don't fucking see it. Now, between his early voting leads, ad spending advantages, a new CNN poll indicated that he's leading Walker by a margin of 52% to 48%. And Warnock is feeling confident. Don't get too cocky, Raphael. You're still in a dogfight here. Warnock said, we're on the verge of a victory, but I don't want us to do a victory dance before we actually get into the end zone. Warnock told labor allies at a rally uh, in Georgia, we are seeing record voter turnout all across the state. People are showing up to vote. (laughs) He says, I don't want to underestimate our opposition. They are ruthless. Well, that's true. I I, I don't want to underestimate our our opponents, but uh, feeling pretty good about it. And I think he has a reason to feel good about it. But when you're in a fight, don't focus on the win till you get the win. Just keep fighting as hard as you can down to the last second. And then there's plenty of time to enjoy the accolades of winning. And I do think he'll win. Now, here's an interesting stat. Notably, more than 76,000 people that were in the early voting for this runoff elections did not vote in the 2022 general election, according to Georgia Votes, a site that uses public data to analyze voting trends. That's interesting. 
These people didn't come out to vote in the general election, but somehow they decided, well, it's important now, so I better come out. Now, that doesn't suggest it's good for Herschel Walker or Raphael Warnock. I would tend to, it's more advantageous to Warnock. I think they saw that it was closer than they expected. I think they probably thought that Warnock would win easier. And when that didn't happen, they felt like they had to, you know, finish Herschel. I mean, there's talk around the country of people of note and people of knowledge of elections are saying Herschel Walker may be the worst candidate for any election in the history of this country. And I know you'll probably say, well, you just don't like Herschel. Well, no, look at him. The man is not very bright. He says things that make no sense. It's almost laughable. Anybody who votes for him, and if he gets into office, that he's going to do nothing but embarrass you. I can't imagine people can't see that. I can't imagine people aren't concerned about that. But that seems to be the case. So we'll see how it shapes out on Tuesday. But I just have this gut feeling that uh, Raphael's going to do fine and he's going to win. Talk about another delusional sort, a candidate who may be one of the worst candidates ever. Lawyers for failed candidate Carrie Lake and Mark Fincham, who ran for governor and secretary of state of Arizona, respectively, will have to fork out some cash thanks to judges. It's uh, based on a ruling stemming from a baseless lawsuit that the candidates filed. So basically, the judge said, you know what? This lawsuit is bullshit. It's frivolous. And uh, you're going to have to fucking pay for it. On Thursday, U.S. District Judge John Tucci sanctioned the lawyers over Lake and Fincham's lawsuit seeking to ban the use of voting machines in last month's election, ruling that the suit spread lies about Arizona's election system being vulnerable to fraud. The ruling will require the candidates' attorneys to pay legal fees incurred by Maricopa County, one of the defendants in the lawsuit. Well, you know what? Lawyers love making money. But they fucking hate being forced to pay money. I wonder how long they are going to be um, Lakes and Filchum's attorney after this. I mean, you get a sanction from a judge. You got to pay it. You got to pay it. Now, in the ruling, Tucci noted that although the lawsuit wrongly claimed that Arizona had switched to a computerized system susceptible to fraud, see, they're just making shit up. Arizona still used paper ballots and merely used machines to count the votes. Now, if you're running for governor of the state, how do you not know that? If you've ever voted in the state, how do you not know that? Plaintiffs claim that Arizona's audit uh, regime is insufficient to negate these vulnerabilities and that the only way to overcome the security issues they identify is for the court to order an election conducted by paper ballot as an alternative to the current frame framework Tucci uh, wrote but he just said they 
they, they already do that. But the judge added, it cannot be disputed that Arizona already requires and uses paper ballots. Allegations to the contrary are simply false. So we've got these candidates and these lawyers coming up, making claims, making accusations that just aren't fucking true. Nothing new for the Republicans. Now, Tucci's ruling reads like an elementary civics worksheet going to pains to reiterate that Arizona's elections already use a paper ballot system contrary to Lake and Fincham's claims and that their demands that Arizona implement a system is ridiculous because it already exists. And, and, and you know what? The, these judges are getting tired of this bullshit. This constant court case after court case after appeal. And it's all frivolous. At some point, they're going to say, look, you want to play this fucking game? You're going to have to start paying for it. And now Lake and Fincham's lawyers are going to have to pay some fees. And best of all, the judge stated that what Lake and Fincham were saying was absolutely ridiculous, a lie. It was frivolous. Now, in in Florida, apparently Governor Ron DeSantis is a little trouble. You know how he lured migrants in Texas onto planes and then dropped them off in liberal-led regions. He's uh, he's, he's, uh, facing a storm of legal blowback because what he did there was absolutely illegal. Now, on Tuesday, lawyers representing migrants added a woman identified as Perla Huerta to a lawsuit seeking damages from the DeSantis administration, according to the Texas Tribune. Huerta is believed to be a key figure in DeSantis's plot. She allegedly coordinated with officials from the governor's administration, which funded the September flights. Yeah, we had our own little spy in there who was handling the dirty work for Ron DeSantis. Now, Huerta is believed to be a key figure in the DeSantis plot. She allegedly coordinated with officials from the governor's administration, which funded the September flights to Massachusetts, and she and others covertly recruited migrants, lied to them to get them on the plane, and then left them hanging when they dropped them off in Martha's Vineyard or wherever else they sent them. The migrants say they were duped into taking the flights with false promises of aid. Oh, yeah, you're, you're going to get all kinds of aid. Just go on out there and we'll take care of you. But, but the fact of the matter, it was all a lie. It was all ridiculous, which makes it fucking illegal. Now, the lawsuit is led by Massachusetts-based law firm from Lawyers for Civil Rights. They seek damages and an injunction blocking DeSantis and Florida from coercing migrants to travel through fraud and misrepresentation. The Texas Tribune reported DeSantis did not immediately respond to the Tribune's request for comments. And it keeps going. I think they're still doing this. And see, this is what I've said before. It seems like they're on a self-destruct thing. Um... They know it's illegal. They know they're going to get taken down for this, but they keep doing it. On Wednesday, the Miami Herald reported that the Florida Senator Center for Government Accountability has asked a judge to issue contempt charges 
against DeSantis administration, saying he's failed to comply with a court order to hand over text messages and other communications of his chief of staff. James Uthmeyer, related to the flights, Uthmeyer is also listed as a defendant in the Massachusetts-based lawsuit. DeSantis has managed to get himself into a costly quagmire with Martha's Vineyard stunt. What's more, outside of his own state, where his political dominance is likely attributable to um, his plans for um, running for president. That's not going to help him much. So the fact of the matter is some people look at Ron DeSantis as this brilliant guy, this guy that's so sharp. He's like Donald Trump 2.0, but he's smarter. Ron DeSantis is not smarter. He's a racist. He's a misogynist. He's an anti-Semite. He is somebody that is looking to be be a, a dictator, an authoritarian, a fascist, if you will. I'm still not convinced. Everybody keeps saying Ron DeSantis is going to be running for president in 2024. I don't think so. You think about every election, presidential election we've had, and there have been people come out early. Not as early as Donald Trump, two years in advance, but early. And by the time you get to the election, so many things have happened. Things have been exposed. Issues have arisen. And... Who actually runs for president is not what you expect. You won't see Donald Trump running for president unless it's as an independent, and that's only if he can stay out of jail or uh, stay away from uh, convictions. Ron DeSantis has got some problems of his own over and above this situation with the migrants. So I don't think we'll see Ron DeSantis. I think Ron DeSantis probably won't won't uh, serve out his role as governor. I think he'll be forced out at some point. Another guy who's got some career problems, Lindsey Graham of South Carolina, was among the Republicans offering mild rebukes in the wake of uh, Donald Trump's dinner from hell. But the senator apparently thought it was necessary to add a dash of media criticism to his comments. <laughs> This is what he said. No, the meeting was bad. He shouldn't have done it, Graham said. But again, you know, there's a double standard about this kind of stuff, and I don't think it'll matter in terms of his political future. But I do believe we need to watch who we meet with. We shouldn't give oxygen to people who think this way. Well, let's be honest. The Republicans have proven... They stand behind white supremacy. This isn't new for Donald Trump. Donald Trump has always supported white supremacy, misogyny. He's always uh, supported uh, anti-Semitism, too. I mean, this goes back to the 1970s when he was working with his father and having um, apartment buildings, uh, basically tenement-type buildings. He was, I think he was sued by the DOJ for his racist behavior. So don't tell me Donald Trump's not a racist. He's been found guilty of being a racist back in the 70s, and he's done nothing to change that since then. Now, the fact that Graham described this dinner as bad arguably helped the senator clear a very low bar. 
but it was his reference to a double standard that struck me as kind of notable. Where exactly is it a double standard? I mean, a double standard would say there's something comparable to it in the um, in the Democratic Party, but I, I I don't get that. I don't get that at all. We're looking at people who are scared. They don't know what to do. They've spent their careers, at least the last six years, lying, supporting lies, and saying whatever fires up their base. And now the, uh, the chickens are coming home to roost. It's been real easy to gaslight people or talk over people, but now it's starting to fall apart. These crimes, this corruption is starting to be exposed and they're having to answer for it. And guess what? They have no fucking answers. They don't know what to say. So they just say anything. They divert, distract, delay. It's what they do. But you can't do that forever. You just can't do that forever. And they're not going to be allowed to do it forever. We're seeing now Republicans and Trump fucks becoming accountable. Like the Oath Keepers being convicted of seditious conspiracy. That opens the door for anybody else that was in cahoots with them to be convicted of seditious conspiracy. And so we're talking about sitting members of Congress, Jenny Thomas, Roger Stone, and the like. It does take a long time and a lot of people get frustrated. Oh, nothing's ever going to happen. But do not say that to me now. Nothing happened to these people. Nothing's going to happen. Because if you say that, you're not paying a fucking attention. Because a lot of shit has happened. It's been slower than you like. And maybe the only way you're happy is if people are in cuffs and thrown in jail. Well, I'm sorry, that's not how the legal system works. You may not like that. I may not like that. But that's the fucking way it is. We're on the precipice of probably the greatest investigation in court cases that this country has ever seen. Our government officials have been able to get away with a lot of stuff for decades and decades. And now they've pushed it too far. It's become too egregious, too blatant. And the evidence and the witnesses are there. So now they are going to have to be accountable. And if you tell me, no, nothing's going to happen, you piss me off. I, I got to be honest. I don't care if you're friend or foe. You say that, first of all, you're doing no good for the effort, and you're not paying a fucking attention. Wake up and pay attention. All right, we're going to wrap things up for the Rational Boomer podcast. I want to thank you for taking the time out of your day to listen. I hope you have a great day. We'll talk to you tomorrow. I'll be back in Minnesota on Monday. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.